0: A television ad caught my attention recently. It featured a beautiful video of maybe a dozen or more magnificent elephants walking in line in their
1: natural African habitat. And there were some older bulls lumbering along in the line, and some smaller females, even a couple of obviously young elephants.
0: The ad was asking people to contribute to a fund that helps protect elephants from
1: poachers. And the question asked in that ad was this, what would the world be like without elephants?
0: Welcome to the Before We Go podcast featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. What would the world be like without elephants? Our response was that in some ways the world wouldn't be the same.
1: Well, maybe some generations would grow up, never having lived in a world where these animals could be seen. But I guess if you had never known what that was like, maybe you would just shrug your shoulders and response, Well, that happens. We don't have dinosaurs anymore.
0: But what a loss, huh? No elephants. And that's true whether it's tigers or giraffes or whatever endangered species. This visit, we want to talk about a specific group of people who might be in that endangered category. And to start things out, let's go way back in the Scriptures to the book of 1 Samuel, okay? Right. Do you remember the story?
1: Well, which story are you talking about in 1 Samuel? There's Uh quite a few.
0: (laughs) Talking about the man who has two wives. Right. One has a lot of children. The other, whose name is Hannah, Mm -hmm. has no children, and it troubles her even as her Other wife troubles her and makes fun of her because she's barren.
1: Yeah, the other wife, for years, the scripture says, taunts her that she's barren and hasn't been able to have children. So she takes her heart's cry to the Lord in Shiloh.
0: Where the priest Eli served. Where the
1: priest Eli served. And she weeps, and she, well, she's in extraordinary distress before the Lord. And the priest thinks
0: that she's drunk. Right. Why don't you put your wine aside, he says. Right. And she says, I'm not a drunken woman. I'm sorely troubled. Right. And then she kind of explains what is going on. She desperately wants a son. And she has said, if God will give me a son, I'll give him back to the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. And Eli's words to her are kind of, God be with you, go on your way. May the Lord provide what you're asking for.
1: And that's what happens. Her womb is opened and she conceives and she has a son, but she's made a promise to the Lord.
0: So when the son is weaned, she takes him to Shiloh. And I don't know what Eli thought. Eli was getting older. He has this young boy with him. And every year, Hannah, the mother, would come back and bring a new outfit for the boy. And he's taught the ways of the Lord and how to be a priest. Right. It's a very beautiful story. When you get to chapter three of 1 Samuel, he, as a boy, is by himself at night, and someone calls to him, calls his name Samuel, and he thinks it's Eli and runs into the room where Eli is and says, I'm here. I didn't call you, says Eli. Go back to your room. He does, and it happens a second time. Samuel, he runs in. I didn't call you, says Eli. It happens a third time, and then old Eli realizes. He
1: it gets it. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> see, they've been awakened out of sleep, so, you know, a little kid with a bad dream, maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he says this time, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's beautiful. God talks to Samuel for the first time. <laughs> Samuel is going to end up being a prophet to whom God speaks. He will also be a judge. He will be a priest. He'll play all those roles.
1: So the little boy or the child or the teenager, we're not really sure how old he was. Speak for your servant is listening. It's extraordinary words when we all need to learn to say. And the Lord said to Samuel, I'll, I'll go through this quickly. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle.
0: That's a good introduction, isn't it?
1: <laughs> and then he tells about there will become judgment on the house of Eli the priest. Now, what we haven't said is there's a backstory here as far as Eli is concerned. And he has two reprobate sons. They are horrors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they
0: sleep with the women at the tent of meeting, which is an unfortunate thing. And they also... Rob
1: uh, the the sacrifices, yeah, take the sacrifices that they, the people bring to the Lord for yeah, themselves. They
0: treat it with contempt. Right. Uh, they just want the food. They want the best portions of meat and so
1: on. And the sad thing about this is scripture tells us that Eli knew about these transgressions, but he did nothing with those boys.
0: Uh, in contrast, Samuel is quite a young man as he is growing up. And the people learn to love him and appreciate him. But over time, Go ahead.
1: Eli sends Samuel back to hear from the Lord again. And this time, Samuel says, Here I am. And when he comes back to tell Eli of this vision, Eli says, Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. And Samuel reveals to them that there will be judgment upon the house of Eli. Eli's response is, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes.
0: There's a switch. Samuel becomes a very faithful servant of the Lord. Over time, however, the people decide that they don't like having a priest because it's not like the other nations. They would like to have what? A king. Um, Give us a king.
1: Everyone else has a king. Mm -hmm. We want a king. Please give us a king. (laughs) Uh, Samuel's (laughs)
0: troubled by this. And he says, they are disappointed with me. God's response is, they're not disappointed with you. They're disappointed with me. Mm -hmm. If that's what they want, let's give them what they want. But... You have to warn them what's going to happen. The warnings are given. What's the king going to be like? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll tell you what he's going to he's be going like. He's going to take
1: everything. He's going to take a tenth of all your lands and a tenth of all your produce and your, have your, your son's, sons come sons to and war. war and, yeah, yeah it's a, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. with this king.
0: Over time, there is a turnaround. A king is anointed. His name is Saul. Without telling his story, we all know what Saul was like. Mm-hmm. But the people, even after they are finally warned how bad it's going to get, they still want the king. One last time, Samuel warns them, Mm -hmm. says it's not going to be good. The people said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. Mm -hmm. Kind of presumptuous on their part to say, you pray (laughs) on our behalf. But Samuel says, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Uh So here's this Uh old-timer. He's saddened by what's happening in his nation, but they know that he has a direct end with the Lord, and they say, Will you continue to pray? Far be it from me, he says, that I would sin and not pray for you. So he's kind of the last of an endangered species here.
1: And we're sort of thinking that this story from Samuel about Eli has something to say to our situation today. And perhaps we feel this way because we are in that age set, older age set. You do think not morbidly about death, but you know it's closer than it's ever been at any other time in your life. So you want to make sure that the last days that have been given to you count for the Lord, that you're serving him in the best way possible. But as we look around our age set, we do think there's sort of an endangered species problem. Not that the older ones are passing or dying, but the gift of intercessory prayer that so many older generations have picked up in the past. To pray for a nation, to pray for the next generations.
0: The prayer meetings are gone, Karen.
1: We used to have prayer meetings. There's still some groups, I think, filled with the kind of fervor that have old all-night prayer meetings. But you do not see that. I don't believe in the normal run of American Christendom or churchdom. So, what is happening? What is happening? Let me
0: put into a sentence what it is I think we're trying to say. Let the elderly of today's church ensure that the effectual prayers of God's senior citizens will not disappear from our generation.
1: Why don't you read that again? Because sometimes it comes so fast.
0: Let the elderly of today's church ensure that the effectual prayers of God's senior citizens will not disappear with our generation. I believe seniors' prayers are very powerful, Karen. They know, as you said, that their time is short. They've learned a lot. They're not novices. They have a good understanding of Scripture. They are able to say sometimes what younger people can't say. But if we lose that praying generation, we've lost something that is very precious.
1: I had an interesting thought come my way. Several years back, I was researching the role of the church in Russia when the communists took over. And of course, that was just a time of extraordinary desecration. The major force for Christendom in Russia at the time was the Russian Orthodox Church at the time when Certainly yes no question when uh, communism took over and of course many of the leaders of the church were put into jail they, they lost killed. their lives and yet somehow the church maintained itself in fact many of those churches were even fuller after communism because so much had been lost i think that they began to realize that they needed that faith but they became fuller some of them than they had been before that and I had a friend who was a sort of a Russia expert and was very aware of the role of the church in Russia during the communist takeover those early days. And she said there was a very real feeling that this spiritual, what was a, like a revival in, in many ways, came about because of the prayers of the babushkas. And that's exactly the terminology she okay. used. Okay,
0: tell us what the Babushkas.
1: babushkas. babushkas. <laughs> Most women do know what that is, but they would be older women who wore scarves either tied under their neck, head scarves. Around the neck, around or under the ti- their chin? Yeah, they would put yeah. it over their heads and tie it under their chin or behind their heads in the knot at the base of the neck. And they became a cadre of prayer warriors. And um, gives you the goosebumps. It does give you the goosebumps, and th- that was an intentional movement on the behalf of these Christian women. I think it happened all over Russia, and, I, and, and it would have had to happen; had to spread by even word of mouth, mm-hmm. or just a extraordinary moving of the Lord at that time. And so they were credited by my friend, who was this Russian expert, with keeping the church alive during the time of that communist wow. takeover. And of its, its impact, it still had extraordinary impact on society. I read one book on the suffering of the Russian church, and they felt like they had borne the suffering for the churches in the West. That that had been, I mean, this was very intentional in their minds, that they had borne the suffering so the churches in the West could flourish. And so I mean, that's, that would be a living example within our history of the time when that prayer passion, that prayer role was picked up by the older folk. You and Mm -hmm. I are wondering if there's an endangered species starting to happen here among the prayer warriors of our country in our time in that older generation. Who of them is really seriously picking up this mantle and beginning to spend, some of us have more time now than we have had when we were younger, using those extra hours. Not to watch TV or to hit our screens or to get on the internet, but to dedicate ourselves as a force of prayer.
0: I'm going to give you an option. Okay. Okay. I'll talk for a little while and I want you to answer either someone in scripture who is the epitome in your mind of this older generation or otherwise someone you met when you were younger uh-huh. who epitomizes what it is you're talking about on a personal level uh-huh. all right I'm going to choose to talk about one of those individuals in Scripture. Uh-huh. This, this man was exemplary all through his life, like Samuel, as a young man, a hero in many ways. Went through all different administrations in Jerusalem, in Babylon, and further in the Persian Empire. And now he's an old man. Uh-huh. His name is Daniel. All kinds of wonderful stories with Daniel, but this one comes at the end of his life where he's been elevated very high by Darius or Darius, the king of the Medes and Persians. And people don't like him. They want to get rid of him, people who are not godly people. And they say, we'll never get him on anything but his religion. And so they petition the king. Everybody knows this story. This so I
1: can try. I can try. For
0: thirty days, no one can pray to anyone except you, Your Majesty. Oh, yeah. So they're appealing to Boost his ego. Boost the ego of the king. He thinks that's great, and so he makes that declaration. It says in the scripture that Daniel got down and prayed three times a day as he always did, with his windows open. <laughs> you know, if you want to watch, this is how I do it. And very quickly, they ran into the king, tattletale. He's doing it. That guy Daniel's doing it. He's disobeying. And the king can't change his order, and he has to throw him into the den of lions. Funny thing is, it says the king didn't sleep that night because he liked Daniel. knew no, he was a righteous man. Mm-hmm. Uh, next morning, first thing in the morning, he runs to the lions. Then Daniel, is your God who's able to save you? Could he save you from the lions? Oh, King, live forever," says Daniel. You know, God sent His angel; He shut their mouths, and I'm fine now. Who gets thrown in the
1: yes. lake? <laughs> it's the connivers. <laughs>
0: yeah, but this wonderful old man who says, "Well, you know, maybe I won't pray for thirty days, or maybe I'll just keep the window closed. Nobody'll know that." No, nope. he's going to do exactly what he's always done. He's a prayer warrior. He's an endangered species, but he's still
1: there. Very endangered. Yeah. <laughs> I have an example from the scripture, and then I'd like to tell about one person. I'll do You're going to do both of the questions. Do, both, okay. do, do them quickly. So according to Jewish law, an infant was to be brought to the temple at a certain time to be circumcised if it was a firstborn son, and then offered up to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord. And so we have this scripture from Luke. Simeon.
0: He's an old guy. He's
1: an old guy. See what what they say. He's more
0: than just an old codger, though. Yeah,
1: there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And somehow, he knows. He goes to the temple. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, and here's this little child, and he knows that this is yeah, the this child.
0: Is, this is the, the promised Messiah.
1: This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many of Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So he has waited all of his life for this moment. This is the fulfillment of the moment. There was also a prophetess, Anna. We're not going to leave the women out of this one. The daughter of Thaniel of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84, which is your age. Yeah, right. Very old. (laughs) She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, we think it's circumstance. Well, there are no circumstances as far as God was concerned. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. He's here. He's come. And it's an extraordinary story that these two older people who'd given their lives praying for this promise, looking for this promise, yes. were in that place the very moment this child was brought to be given or dedicated mm-hmm. to the Lord, and they could be a part of that whole thing. It's an extraordinary yeah, story. It's good. The woman in my life who was an older woman to me, I was in my 30s, and I suppose she was 55, going maybe towards 60, I don't know exactly how old, but she seemed older to me. Her name was Darlene Dibler-Rose, and this was at the time when we were having the charismatic renewal here in the States. And there was a lot of argument and contrariness in our theological discussion between all of the evangelical camps as far as the role of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord gave me a hunger for Himself that was a lot like Samuel's story. It's a story that's very dear to me because I did hear someone calling my name in the middle of the night and woke up and the Lord put His hand upon me in one of those ways we can hardly describe. And I was really radically altered because of that experience. But I had a lot of questions about the role of the Holy Spirit, very confused. And into our life came a woman, Darlene Diva Rose, and we had heard her speak at Okaboji, Bible camp in Iowa. You were speaking as well. Mm -hmm. She was a missionary from New Guinea. She had an extraordinary life story about being a missionary in New Guinea with her husband during the Second World War as the Japanese swept down from Japan across that South China Seas area and took over the islands. Mm -hmm. And she was put into a prisoner of war camp
0: not with her husband.
1: He was in another prisoner right. war camp. In fact, he died in that war mm-hmm. camp. So her stories were just extraordinary stories of the eminence of God. In fact, I remember that she had a part of that story. She was actually kneeling before her beheaders and they had a sword or a machete, I don't know what it was, to take off her head. And the word of the Lord spoke to her through a scripture she had memorized. And sure enough, they did not beheaders. So it's just an extraordinary story. So I was hungry for a work of the Holy Spirit in my life, an ongoing work in my life, and I grilled her about this, and I grilled her about that theology. I mean, she obviously knew the Word. She knew the Lord. She knew her scriptures. It was stunning. I had a phone call from a mutual friend and said, Mrs. Rose is going to be in your area. Do you know of a place where she could speak? Well, you were pastoring a church. I didn't know of a place. We would love to have her speak. And then she's going to need a week and a half to stay somewhere. Is there someone who will take her in? Well, I just grabbed her and that's when all the conversations about the Holy Spirit went
0: on. Long time to talk.
1: Long time to talk. I just grilled her and she was so kind. She recognized my spiritual hunger. As I was trying to understand the role of the Holy Spirit with all of this contradictory discussion going on in evangelicalism, she gave me a gift that has lasted me the rest of my life. And her words to me was, Karen, the Holy Spirit is perfectly able to teach you everything you need to know. didn't land in one camp or another, Mm -hmm. not the charismatic side or the ultra-conservative fundamentalist side. The Holy Spirit is perfectly able to teach you everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. And that just became what I lived with from that point on. If I had a question, if I didn't understand something, if I needed guidance, I would go and I would say, teach me what it is I need to know. It was always effectual in my life. So it was just a lifelong gift she gave me. I had no idea how prophetic and how meaningful that word would be from that older woman in my Mm -hmm.
0: life. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which we had more time to talk. I want to go back to that sentence again. Let the elderly of today's church ensure that the effectual prayers of God's senior citizens will not disappear with our generation. Uh I just wanted to very quickly share in terms of my own life. For people who say it's very hard to pray very long, it's like you're talking words I can't relate to. I learned in my life that the easiest way to learn how to pray is to pray with other people and to set up a time where you meet with them over a period of not only weeks, but months and years. I have a group. It's gone for probably four years now. It's not large. There are only eight of us, but we pray every week. We do it by phone.
1: And they're from all over the country.
0: From Texas and California and Ohio and Michigan and Illinois, where I am. We get together right at noon, and we immediately go to prayer. And it has been such a beautiful time. I have often said to the people as we are saying our goodbyes at the end of that prayer time each week, I've said, I'm learning so much from you. And they say the same thing. We are learning from one another. Mm
1: -hmm. About prayer.
0: Yeah. I said to them this last week when we met, I said, you know, what's interesting is that all these years we've been praying and it never seems like we're saying the same prayers. Huh. The prayers are always fresh, uh-huh. and every, and you get the amen, because you know, yeah. that's kind of my generation. You say amen still. I have found this to be wonderful. In terms of the coronavirus, we're the endangered ones. Well, we may be endangered in more ways than just that, uh-huh. you know, in terms of the church. What happens if the prayers are gone? Uh-huh. Then we're in real trouble. Uh-huh. So it's kind of that word to people our own age, we're talking. I mean, it used to be 65, and you retired, but we're talking 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh-huh. Now we're talking 90s. We're the ones who continue to light that lamp, keep it ablaze. Uh-huh. Yeah, we
1: don't want to miss our don't
0: want to miss our assignment.
1: Yeah, we don't want <laughs> uh, to be an endangered species.
0: Yeah, if you say we could lose the elephants, I guess, but you can't lose that older generation. That prayer base.
1: No. Yeah, they're mm-hmm.
0: very, very important. Take a friend as a word from the Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. And if you would like to write to us, please send us an email at the following address, hosts at beforewego.show. That's all lowercase letters, hosts at beforewego.show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois 60187.